0: This content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. I stared at it for a second,
1: very confused. I mean, why in the world is someone out here? It's cold as shit.
2: I can't describe exactly what made me feel like this, but after that initial feeling of relief wore off, I suddenly got this really bad feeling.
3: I look up and there is a gun pointed at my chest and a guy asking for my phone.
0: From Disturbed Media, join your host Chad for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed.
4: Welcome back in, everyone, and thanks for joining me. This week, I'm bringing you four true horrifying tales that will make your spine tingle. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show hearing from Reddit user It Wasn't Me, Boys, featuring voice work by Tanya Eby, and we escape a possible kidnapper.
5: So after crying just a little bit after looking at crime scenes on the internet, I think it might be time to tell this story. It's just one of those moments when I randomly start thinking about it, in a more serious mood than usual. It's gonna be long. So this happened about 4 months ago now, maybe more, but I really don't know for sure. Anyway, I was 19 years old, I've turned 20 by now, mid-February, and was going home from university after classes. I usually take my keys with me, but... Around that time, I had lost them, and my mom was yet to take me to get a new copy. I remember I kept insisting, but she wouldn't listen. So what I did was knock on the door to get my younger brother's attention, so he'd come and let me in. But my mom also took his keys, and just left him there locked up as well. I asked my brother to pass me my charger from my room, and I called one of my aunties to see if I could go hang out at her workplace in the meantime. She said yes, and then told me to call an Uber that she'd be paying for as soon as I got there, and that's what I did. Now, the Uber didn't pick me up exactly at home. It was in the house across the street instead. No special reason, I just did. The moment I saw the guy, he gave me a kind of a weird vibe, but I also tend to be paranoid every time I so much as hop on a taxi. So I just got in, rolled down the window, and kept a grip on both of my phones. It all seemed relatively normal until we got to the area where my aunt's workplace was. This was a convenience store at her home in a housing, I think that's what you call it? Well, there's like a private division. I don't know, but condominium doesn't sound right. He just completely drove past it and claimed he was following the GPS when I asked him about it. But he wouldn't let me see said GPS. He seemed to know exactly where he was going. Now, I was kind of doomed from the beginning, because I don't know directions, and I could only rely on the driver being a decent person and recognizing the area, which I did but wherever he was taking me, I had no idea. I remember seeing this fountain that I could recognize from when my mom drove to my uncle's place, but that was like way farther away from my aunt's place. By now, I was kind of thinking of what to do because this guy drove past a fuck ton of empty housings and a couple of them even seemed to be still under construction. Then he stopped near a place that looked like the end of civilization. We were literally on a hill. And then he turned off the car. I got lucky in so many ways. Looking back on it, my phone had no credit. As soon as I thought of that, my aunt called me and asked, Where are you? And I literally felt my heart drop because I had no idea, and this dude was just staring at me. I said I didn't know and asked him, Hey, where did you take me? And he replied with, I wouldn't know what to tell you, kid. That was enough for me. I grabbed my backpack and opened the door real quick with a loud, That's fine, I'll see myself out, and hauled ass like I hadn't in a very long time. I remember even being afraid of carrying my backpack on the back in case he'd chase me and pull on it, so I was holding it in my hand with my hoodie wrapped around my waist as I thought of where to hide. I thought of knocking on someone's door, but for some reason, that didn't seem safe to me at the moment. I remember telling my aunt not to hang up because he was still following me on the car. Then I saw an empty barren surrounded by concrete walls and a strong bar gate except There was enough space under the gate to crawl in, so I literally threw the backpack and then crawled under. There was a huge electric control box, and I opened it to crouch inside and hide, my aunt still on the phone. She, my other aunt, and my uncle were all on a call with each other, putting credit on my phone and asking for my live location through WhatsApp, because I had no idea where I was. Literally in the middle of nowhere. I waited there for like two hours, and this guy wouldn't leave. I even had to go pee outside the box and immediately ran back inside. There were even tiny spiders and old honeycombs, so I was also fighting both my arachnophobia and trypophobia. At some point, I'm guessing the guy left and my uncle got there in his truck. He didn't know where I was, so he kept honking and telling me to tell him when I could hear it closer. And then I finally did and got out. For a while, I thought maybe this had been a misunderstanding and I just jumped out of some guy's car like a maniac without even paying him. But when I got home after staying at my aunt's pharmacy for a while until my mom, who still didn't know much about what had happened, picked me up, I checked the Uber app, and not only did it say I had already paid, but it also said I made it to my destination. So I ruled that out. I had told my aunt not to tell my mom about it because she goes insane at the minor inconvenience. So telling her this would only freak her out, and she wouldn't be any help. I only let her know when I called her to come get me, and on our way to get a copy of that key, because of course, something bad had to happen until she actually listened to me. And nowadays, she always puts credit on my phone. Anyway, so that's what went down. I had to Indiana Jones that shit twice, and to this day, my family brags about how I was able to keep myself perfectly composed and react quickly, which I'm still shocked about. I remember seeing broken glass and metal bars laying around and telling my aunt, if I'm going down, I'm taking him with me. In a joking manner, because her blood sugar levels were fucking her over. On her way home, my mom told me I wasn't in hysterics because I was in shock, and that it'd hit me the next day. It didn't. I'd kept going around as normal, but last week she brought it up again and asked if I didn't think I was gonna die. I said of course, but that I also knew freaking out would only either make me easier target, or just not help at all anyway. When I remember it, more than scared, I feel angry. I could have been one of the many, many girls who just disappear and are later found dead on a random hill or ditch. And I can't say I suffer survivor's guilt because in all honesty, I don't. But I can't help but think that could have been me whenever another kid or teenager is on the news as missing or found dead. It really could have gone terribly wrong. My parents believe this guy was a rookie who maybe felt sorry for me and let me go because if he had wanted to, he could have hurt me with some sort of weapon or just try to kill me right then and there. I don't even know anymore. I sent his profile to all the girls I know so that if they ever happen to get him as their Uber driver, they can cancel. Since then, I don't take Ubers anymore. Wherever this guy is right now, I don't want to be ever again.
0: Are you loving the show? Let us know with a positive rating and review. In return, we'll help you hide the body.
2: My name is Olivia
0: Carter, and I live in Wisconsin. I commute from Milwaukee, from Fond du Lac, and it's about an hour drive every day. And I listen to your podcast at work, on the way to work, on the way home from work, and it's amazing. It's probably one of the best podcasts I've ever heard, and it's honestly what got me into
4: a guys. Up next, we check in with Reddit user LeadingBasket914, featuring voice work by Matt Bradford. And we can't quite believe our eyes. A lot of my
1: experiences have occurred at my place of work. And obviously, I have to change the names of the people involved and keep my identity anonymous. I'm in my early 20s, about 5 foot 10 inches. I'm a little out of shape, but have plenty of strength and endurance to be able to handle myself just fine, and you won't find me backing down from much of anything. I work for a local county jail in a southern east coast state. Attached to the jail is the patrol division of the sheriff's office as well as our dispatch center. The jail sits on a standalone road just off the main road, and our driveway is essentially a loop at the top with three county-owned buildings outskirting the loop. Now... We've had a few tragic deaths in the facility, and we're generally no stranger to experiencing voices or footsteps or doors slamming themselves, especially on full moon nights. About three months prior to this, we had an especially unpleasant death. I mean, this guy was no Boy Scout, but he was never anything but pleasant to us. After this inmate had passed, who we'll call Paul, they brought the jumpsuit and restraints he had passed away in back to the facility. This will play into the incident towards the end. I worked the overnight shift and during the winter it's dark when I get to work and when I leave. This particular morning the day shift had gotten there early and I was allowed to leave about 10 minutes early. I go out to my car and warm it up because it's very cold outside, maybe 30 degrees. But while I'm sitting in my car waiting for it to warm up, I see movement to my right near the secure gate that I leave through. My windows are still foggy, so I brush it off as a bird or something. After all, the sun hadn't started to rise yet. Once my windows defrost, I pull up to the gate and wait for it to open. I only have to sit there for a few seconds as the camera at the gate can see it's me in my car. As I wait, I look off to my right to see the silhouette of a man standing in the grass across the street between the two small bushes with a large tree directly behind the figure. I stare at it for a second very confused. I mean, Why in the world is someone out here? It's cold as shit. The gate opens and I proceed through it, but stop just on the other side. As the gate closes behind me, I turn on the spotlight on my car. I I drive a retired police car, and I'm absolutely shocked as standing there in the bright light is a male in an orange jumpsuit. And the second thing I recognize is the face, the face that just about resembles that of Paul. For a second, I, I stop in confusion, caught off guard by the resemblance. But then I immediately grab my radio from my belt and call for additional officers and deputies. I quickly accelerate towards the individual and jump out of my car with my taser out and activated. I stand behind the open door of my vehicle and yell to turn and face away from me. I'm now only 10 to 15 feet away, plenty close enough for the 25-foot range cartridge on my taser to reach. At this point, I can hear the exterior doors behind me opening, and I can see the blue lights of the sheriff's cruisers as officers and deputies are hauling ass towards my location, expecting to have to deal with an escaped inmate. So I quickly look around for my backup, and when I look back, this person has turned around, walking away from me. So I yell, "Don't walk away from me!" One more time before I deploy my taser. This was when I fully realized that this was not what I was expecting. I mean, both of the probes visibly travel through the person and land on the ground as all 25 feet of the wire is expelled. Now, I'm in total shock and freeze in place, leaving the taser arcing for all five seconds as this male disappears into the tree. A detention officer runs up and asks if I hit him with the taser. I can do nothing except stare in disbelief to what just occurred right in front of me. The rest of the responding officers and deputies arrive to my location, and I start explaining what the hell just happened. A few of them look at me like I'm crazy, but I insist that I'm not seeing things. After I was able to come back to reality, we investigated the area, and from where this apparition was originally standing was a set of footprints in the morning frosted grass that led directly to the tree and stopped at the base. There was no one around. We immediately conducted a head count of the entire facility, and no one was missing. I mean, the cherry on top is that I was told that day... A jumpsuit the same size as the inmate wore who had passed away was now sitting folded on the empty bunk that he used to occupy. I was forced to have a meeting with the department's detective and basically take a psychology test. I passed the test just fine and the detectives had no indication that I was lying to them or anything. Ultimately, it was chalked up to be an unexplainable incident and no action was taken against me. I still run through that event over and over every day as I drive through that gate. Ultimately, I don't think it will ever be anything but an unexplainable incident, I guess. Maybe that was finally Paul Spirit getting sent free. But whatever it was, let's not meet again.
0: Want to listen to Disturbed ad-free? Of course you do. Go to disturbedpodcast.com slash support to get your access today.
4: Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. On my podcast, I explore and explain the pathology behind some of the most horrendous crimes and those who commit them. We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, and antisocial personality disorder
1: to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors.
3: Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects.
0: Now back to the deliciously frightful... Disturbed podcast with your host, Chad.
4: Next up, we hear from Reddit user Remyrocks, featuring voice work by Nicole Doolin. And thankfully, we listened to that gut feeling.
2: So this is a story from around 10 years ago. I was 16 or 17 at the time. But I recently discovered this sub, and it instantly brought these memories flooding back to me. At the time, I kind of just brushed it off because nothing bad ended up happening to me and put it down to, I guess shit just happens to you when you are a woman walking alone at night. But looking back now, I realize how creepy it really was. I was coming home on my own on a Thursday night after being out at a pub with some friends. We had been out a little more centrally in the city, so I had to take a bus on my own to get home to my residential neighborhood. I had done this route hundreds of times, so I didn't see it as being particularly dangerous, especially as I live in a fairly nice neighborhood. It was only about 11 p.m., but because I lived in a residential area and it was the middle of the working week, when I got off the bus at my stop, it was absolutely dead and there was no one around. Again, this didn't spook me, particularly as it is only about a 5 or 10-minute walk from the bus stop to my house. As I turned down a long residential street that leads towards my house, I noticed a guy walking further down the street. This put me a little on edge, but I was reassured by the fact that he had his back to me and was walking away from me down the street. As I kept walking down the street, I noticed the guy turn around and clock me. That's fine, I thought. I always turn around when I hear someone walking behind me at night, so nothing weird about that. But I noticed as we got further and further down the street, he kept doing it kept checking I was still walking in the same direction as him. At this point, I'm starting to get pretty freaked out, particularly as I am painfully aware that we are the only two people around. Just as I was weighing up what I should do, he turned down the path of one of the houses to our right, and I breathed a sigh of relief. He is going into his house! I was just being paranoid the whole time. The houses in my area are terraced, with the front doors being kind of embedded into an enclave at the front of the house. What this means is that from where I was standing, about 50 feet away, I couldn't actually see the front door of the house, as it was obscured by the wall. However, I saw him walk down the path and disappear into the front door enclave. So my logical conclusion was that he was letting himself into his house. I can't describe exactly what made me feel like this. But after that initial feeling of relief wore off, I suddenly got this really bad feeling. So I stopped walking and just stood there. There was this tiny voice in my head that said, ''What if he is just faking you out?'' The feeling became so strong that I stepped off the pavement and ducked down behind a parked car and just waited. After a couple of minutes of crouching behind the car, staring at the house, I saw movement and my heart stopped. The man came back down the path, out into the street, and was looking around, looking for me. He must have been waiting for me in the doorway, knowing that if I kept walking, I wouldn't see him until it was too late. Unfortunately for him, his hiding place also meant that he couldn't see me. So when I didn't walk past as he anticipated, he had to come back out into the street to try and work out where I was. Looking back now, I probably should have called the police at this point. But as a scared teenager, my fight-or-flight brain took over, and I sprinted down one of the roads running perpendicular to the street that we were on, as I knew I could use it to take a slightly longer route home. I didn't stop running until I got home where I quickly double-locked the door behind me. Amazingly, I didn't even think to wake anyone in my family up. I literally just went to bed and then woke up the next morning and went to school. I dread to think what would have happened if I hadn't just suddenly got a bad feeling and stopped walking. Part of me thinks that on some subconscious level, my brain must have registered not hearing the front door shut after the man had approached it, and therefore triggered an alarm in my head, but I had no perception of this at the time. Lesson learned, trust your gut.
0: Are you terrified yet? You will be. And finally,
4: we close out the show hearing from Reddit user Kittycat, featuring voice work by Rhianne and Mauschel, and we get hijacked.
3: So this story takes place in 2008 and 2009. I was 16 or 17, and my sister is four years older than me. First, some important background information. At the start of 2008, my parents got a divorce and my mom moved out into a small one bedroom flat. I stayed with my dad in the house as my mom's place was too small and a few other reasons. My parents still stayed in the same city though, about a five, 10 minute drive away from each other. Also at the start of the year, my grandfather passed away and my sister inherited his car, an old Toyota Corolla. After my mom moved out, me and my dad adopted a rescue dog that hated being left alone and was smart in tracking me. No matter what we tried to do, he managed to get out of the yard and follow my scent to almost exactly where I was. By the time this took place, we had had quite a few instances of people who had found him and identified us as his owners through his microchip. Then we had to go and pick him up. It was a whole thing. The day this happened, my dad had also received one of those calls again. I was driving a hand-me-down 125cc scooter that was prone to some problems and close to the end of its lifespan. My sister was at university, but came back for the holidays. The day of the events, I went to visit my mom on my scooter for dinner and my sister also stopped at my mom's house in her car before going to sleep at my dad's house. I was also in my skateboard-slash-gaming phase of my life, thus wore a lot of baggy clothes with lots of pockets. We live in South Africa, and this takes place in June, which is smack in the middle of our winter. Therefore, it was a cold night. Now to the events of that evening. It was about 7.30, 8 p.m., and we were getting ready to say goodbye. We were about to leave my mom's house when my dad called and said he had to go pick up the dog from someone who found him. My sister said that she would drive behind me in the car to my dad's house. About halfway, my scooter dies, and we're not sure if it was because of petrol or the battery giving in again. We're about 100 meters from the garage, so I push it to the garage and my sister follows behind me in the car. My dad meets us at the garage and gives us a few bucks to throw in petrol. While we're there, we keep on struggling to get my scooter to start. This garage is about 500 meters away from my dad's house with two stop streets and a main road in between. While we're there, a guy with a backy offered to put the scooter on the back and drive it home for us. My sister, being wary and untrusting of strangers and the fact that she thinks he will drive off with the scooter, declines, and says that home is not so far away and will be okay. She said she will push the scooter across the main road and then go back for her car, leaving me with the scooter on the other side. When she gets to me again in the car, I start pushing the scooter and she is behind me driving slowly with her hazard lights on. We get to the first stop street and she tells me to try to start the scooter again. I try, but nothing happens. Next thing, I look up and there is a gun pointed at my chest and a guy asking for my phone. I am frantically looking in my what feels like 1,000 pockets for it as I notice three more guys moving around and a red gulf parked next to my sister's car. I finally managed to find my phone and was about to give it to the guy when my sister is all of a sudden tackling me to the ground. The phone goes flying, but the guy gets to it, then jumps in the car and they all drive off. My sister asks me if I'm okay. I say yes, but I'm semi-hysterical. My sister says we need to get help. I remember that I have a friend that happens to stay right across the road and I tell her that. We leave my scooter on the side of the road and run across to my friend's house frantically screaming and pressing their intercom at the gate for them to open up and come out. As their doors open, my sister and I see my dad's car come almost flying past, and she tells me to stay where I am as she runs to my dad's house. I stay, and my friend's mom comes out, and I tell her what happened. I don't know how long it was, but soon my mom, the police, and neighbors were there talking to me and calming me down. After a police coffee in me and reassurance from my mom that my sister is fine, we move my scooter into my friend's yard for safekeeping. Then me and my mom went to my dad's house. When we get there, my sister explains to me that she had a gun to her head and was told to get on the floor and lie still or they would shoot her. Then when she looked up and saw me standing, she panicked because I was standing. Hence, she side-tackled me to the floor. She ran after my dad when she saw him because she felt sure I was safe and knew that he could possibly speed up and catch the car. After a long process, we get the car back and my sister, for obvious reasons, doesn't want to drive it anymore. So she and my mom swap cars. So, weirdness part one. This was in the days of Mix It. I've had the same number my whole cell phone life career. The January after all this happened, I get a random SMS saying it's from someone who just bought a secondhand phone and that my number was on the mix-it. But he thinks the phone was stolen, so we can meet up for an exchange if I want it back. Being freaked out, but curious, I ask what phone it is. The person then proceeded to give the details of the phone that was stolen that night for me. Needless to say, I said, nope, you keep it. Weirdness Part 2 Me and my mom started to go to a cell group, Bible study thingy and we had a rule between us that unless we gave an indication to the other, we would leave at 9 p.m. Otherwise, they would end too late for our liking. This night, I found the topic interesting, so said I wanted to stay longer. When we walk out after it finished, we start looking around and realize that our car was gone, the only one stolen. My mom calls my dad, and he said he will grab the car's papers and meet us at the police station. While filling out the forms for the stolen car, The officer says something about it being a shame as we only have had that one for a year. My mom takes a closer look and we see that we were working off the forms from when the car was stolen when my sister had it. This meant the exact same car was stolen exactly on the same day one year prior. The long story short, my sister and I were hijacked, got the car back, exactly one year later, went out with my mom, the exact same car was stolen again. Bonus, there was an attempt to give the phone stolen in the hijacking back to me as well.
0: Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at disturbed Podcast, and on Twitter at disturbed underscore pod.
4: Don't forget to head over to disturbedpodcast.com slash submit to send in your own true terrifying tale. Disturbed is produced by yours truly, funded through advertising and your support. And if you'd like to support the show, you can get early access to our premium feed, featuring ad-free listening and bonus episodes. Visit patreon.com disturbedpodcast to learn more. And a shout-out to our newest supporters, Brianna Bates, Nico Lewis, Daniela, Jesse Savage, Autumn, Frankie, and Emily Royal. They all get instant access to our catalog of bonus episodes, ad-free listening, and 24-hour early episode releases and you can too over at patreon.com/disturbedpodcast. Music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio co.ag and Kevin Hartnell. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode and stay safe out there y'all.